The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 20th chapter. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless, then the second, and the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, be fruitful for our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we draw near the end of the liturgical year, we start to hear Jesus' words about the end. And so we hear words today about the resurrection. Jesus is in the temple. It's Holy Week. He's already been challenged by the religious authorities a couple times. You remember one of those. Can we give money to Caesar? You know, trying to trip Jesus up. And Jesus says, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And to God what is God's. Right. So he won that battle. And in Jesus' day, honor was either something you inherited, so you had a certain status that you were always there no matter what, but then within that status, you could acquire honor. And so what's going on here is the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious authorities are trying to knock down Jesus' honor. And so Jesus runs into the Sadducees, a sect of Judaism that was in charge of the temple, and very much in a place of power and authority. But they weren't too interested in the afterlife and in the resurrection, even though a lot of Judaism was. And you heard from Job this amazing vision of Job standing in his flesh after he dies and seeing God. And so they try and trip Jesus up with a really great question about the resurrection. It's kind of a foolish question about a woman married seven times. Whose husband is she going to be? Of course, in Levitical law, if you know your husband died, your brother was supposed to step in and take your place because a woman would have to be married if, not, if she didn't have any sons. Otherwise, she'd be completely out of luck in that patriarchal society. 
And so they think they've got Jesus. And of course, Jesus kind of makes fun of them. And of course, he says that in the resurrection, you know, we don't get married like we do in this age. That's a reality and a blessing of this age. But in the age to come, we're not just like angels, like your translation said. We're equal to angels. It's a whole other reality that we can scarce even get our heads around. But I'm struck by Jesus saying that we are children of this age and that marriage is a blessing, one of many blessings that we need and we have for life in this age. This age is characterized by relationships and responsibilities. We are sons and daughters of this age, and so there's all kinds of relationships that we are blessed with, that we have to work with, that we get to work with, and also lots of responsibilities and good work and good things to do, trying to be a blessing in the world because God's blessed us. That's this age. When I worked with the youth on Wednesday after the middle, um, we did, they did their typical highs and lows, and so I asked them, you know, what are your highs and your lows? And every one of them, no joke, every one of them, their low was the fact they had to take a test that week. Those are responsibilities. Those are things that we have to do in this age. And actually, if we were all true, as we look in the mirror, every day there are tests. Every day there are many courtrooms. And so we've got caregiving to do. We've got families to love and to cherish that are both blessings and challenges sometimes. We've got livelihood to attend to. We need to put a roof over our heads, right? And we look to find meaning in this age. Joys, sorrows. In our beautiful relationships, I say this world is beautiful and broken all at the same time. And this is the world we live in in this age. We have to attend to these realities. And when I, if I had to pick one word to sum up these realities when I listen to my peers today, it just seems like the word would be overwhelmed. Why? <laughs> oh wait how's my fantasy never mind sorry <laughs> these gadgets which have been such a blessing in our lives have been <laughs> I've lost you already right <laughs> have um made our lives way more complex. Parents, if you have teenagers or young adults, junior high kids, you need to subscribe to Screenagers, it's called. Um, Sandy's reading a book right now that she's going to share with me about how to live in this digital modern age, and everything so far I'm hearing is you got to unplug, you got to unplug. 
Because the, all of this information is overwhelming us. You throw on all the realities of this age and you throw on that. Um, man, this is a challenge. So I could preach a sermon on a bunch of how-tos, but I encourage you to think about that. My point at this spot is that it seems like all of these realities are pretty ultimate. What more is there to life than attending to our relationships and all of our responsibilities? Do these have the final say in our lives, our livelihood, our groups that we belong to, our identities, our struggle, our joys and sorrows? Is that the ultimate reality in our life? We are children of this age, Jesus says. So we're there, that's a blessing and a hardship and a challenge and a joy, all of this. We're children of this age, and is that all there is? Is that all there is? But then Jesus turns, and when he starts talking about the resurrection, he says that in the resurrection, we are children of God. Not children of this age, where all of our duties and responsibilities are our ultimate reality. But no, we are children of God. And then he says something which is absolutely amazing. We are children, sons and daughters of the resurrection. What in the world does that mean? Well, when we are a child of someone, that says a lot of who we are, does it not? It says where we're from. It says to whom we belong. It names our identity. We aren't sons of anarchy. Those of you who watch certain shows on TV. We're sons of the resurrection. We're daughters of the resurrection. We belong to not just God, but to an event. We belong to the event where Jesus is raised from the dead, and when the resurrection of the dead will happen in the future, we belong to a future. That's who we belong to. That's, so what Jesus is seeming to say, to say that we are children of the resurrection is that there's another reality in your life and in mine. There's another reality. So all those realities of being children of this age are not ultimate realities. They're penultimate realities. They're blessings and they're challenges and they're good work. And they're, they're, it's beautiful, and it's broken, and, and so we, we work, and we struggle, and we go at it, but it's not the ultimate reality in our life. There's another reality that overshadows all of our penultimate realities. We, we struggled this week to look at, um, what does resurrection have to do with everyday life? I mean... You know, we could think about, oh, well, I don't have to, I mean, when I die, I'm, I'm not, that's not going to be the end. And that's true, but, but does it have something more to say to our lives than just simply, well, when we die, we'll be in heaven with God? That's certainly a big part of it. But, but what does resurrection have to do with every day? And what I'd like to offer to you, if you are a child of the resurrection, if you are worthy for that event, which we believe Jesus took care of on the cross and he gave us that gift in the faith of our baptism, we are made worthy by the gift of God in Christ as we embrace that in faith. And so now we do have a reality that overshadows all of our lives. 
It's like a big canopy from the future that's pulled over every bit of our penultimate realities. It's interesting today. I see people being defined by their groups. And this isn't just about high school. (laughs) A lot of us define ourselves by our political party. A lot of us define ourselves by some letter. Some people, a culture would like to define us by our color or our job, or our school, or our grade, or whether we got the promotion, or whether we're successful, what kind of house we have, what kind of clothes we wear. These are all penultimate realities, part of the blessings and brokenness of our world. But I'm here to stand in the midst of all your penultimate realities and tell you that you are a child of the resurrection. That's what defines you. And that defines you as God's beloved, God's child. And nothing can take that away from you. You've got a canopy that's pulled over the top of your life that you walk every day with. What difference does it make? Recently, I had a close friend pass away. I actually, he he claimed me as his friend. He always called me Brother Bill. And I got to preach at his funeral or at his memorial service. And I shared this story. I want to share it with you because it was a really impactful thing that Gail told me. Gail had been battling cancer for 17-some years, had come and gone, and then come back in a more even vigorous, horrible kind of cancer. And it spread throughout his body, and so Gail, um, in the last part of his life, was in horrible, horrible pain some days. I can't even imagine. I, I I mentioned at the funeral that he's probably the toughest guy I've ever known. But one day he called me up, and I'm out in front of my house, and so I sat down on my steps, and I was listening to him, and he, he was telling me about a documentary of the Navy SEALs. And that he had been watching and about how they're trained and how they have to get what they have to get through. And and if you don't know the the process, of course, it's rigorous, it's unbelievably difficult. But if you've had enough, you know, the way you exit is you go and you ring the bell and you say, I'm done. Gail told me that he said, Bill, I'm so close to ringing the bell. I don't know if I can keep going. But he said, and this is his words, he said, Bill, Jesus didn't go ring the bell. He went all the way for me. And if he did that for me, I'll keep going for him. Gail had a canopy stretched over all of his life and his suffering and his struggle that enabled him to say, if I'm a child of the resurrection, if Jesus defeated death and was raised for me, then I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to go on with all my realities, my penultimate realities, one of which was horrible pain. And I'm going to keep going. 
I'm not going to give up because this cancer doesn't get the last word in my life. It's a real word. It's a tough word. It's a, it's a hard word. It's a horrible word, but it doesn't get the last say. The last say is the resurrection when all will be made right. That vision that we heard from Job. Let me tell you, if we let any of the penultimate things in our story and in our life have ultimate place, we will be sorely disappointed. But thanks be to God, we have this canopy. We have the shadow of the resurrection. May it be so for you. Amen.